Welcome to another episode of the Peak Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have another amazing guest. This is somebody I've seen a lot virtually online, uh, in conferences, and always, always a person who's adding value, giving great content. But more importantly, he's very, very energetic every time he speaks. And that's because of the topic of choice. And that's usually about financial planning. Every time I hear him speak, you can feel that passion. And that's why I'm so excited to have him here today. Uh, he has over 30 plus years of experience in that field. And during these many, many years, he developed that addiction to helping others grow their wealth at the same time, making work optional. Uh, he's also made that trip to the financial advisor, no longer that boring kind of one-on-one -on -one talk, but a fun experience as well. So please welcome CEO of Salmaron, Financial Certified Financial Advisor, Mr. Rick Salmaron. Hello, Fong. Thank you for having me. It is a truly an honor and a pleasure. Well, thank you very much for being here. It's a, a, it's an honor's all mine because I'm very, very excited to hear you speak again. And again, every time I hear you talk about financial stuff, you, you make it fun to hear. So uh, I have a lot of questions about that. But first of all, before we dive right into all that stuff, Tell me or tell us, how did you get to this point where you're you're a certified financial advisor? Was it always in your path? Was it something that you've always wanted to do? What was that journey? I like to say that I started in the business at age eight, believe it or not. <laughs> so when everybody's was, playing in sandboxes and running around playing that's tech, right, yeah. you're, you're punching I, a I was pulling out my checkbook and running Excel spreadsheets. No, I wasn't doing that, no. <laughs> However, I was, I was born and raised in Oklahoma City, and it was a crystal clear Saturday morning at the breakfast table, and my mother placed her hand on my right shoulder, and she said, Rick, today's going to be a very special day for you, and I said, why, mom? And she replied, because today, we are going to go to a place called a savings and loan, and we are going to open an account for you there. And I was young, I didn't really know what that meant. And I asked her, what does that mean, mom? And she said, well, see son, if you keep your money there, they will pay you money for keeping your money. That sounded kind of cool. Still didn't resonate being as young as I was. However, what was good for my mom was good for me. And I dropped my spoon in my Lucky Charms we raced to the garage, got into her car, and we went to this place called the Savings and Loan, where I went ahead and emptied my pockets on the counter, $10 of coins and allowance that I'd amassed over several, several months. My mother matched another $10, and my first savings account of 20 bucks was created. It wasn't until 90 days later, Fong, when I got my first statement in the mail and that $20 grew to $20 and 15 cents. Wow. <laughs> that, that was an aha moment for me. That was a ring in the bell in my mind. And I, I still remember that moment in my life. So this is gosh, 50 years ago, I'll be 58 this year. And looking back that, it was the day that I recognized how money can work for you while you do your own thing, right? All I had to do, it was true. All I had to do was just leave my money there. 
and it was going to increase. That was a tremendous aha moment for me. Fast forward after college, I got my first corporate America job. I knew pretty fast that that was not what I wanted to do. I left corporate America, wanted to find something that was more entrepreneurial, something that I could do on my own, create and develop a business. And looking back to that day when I was eight years old, that was key. I saw the pattern of behavior that I established in my history from that moment. I owned my first stock at age 18. My, I bought my first house at age 22. When I got my first short corporate America job, I maxed out on the company retirement plan and figured out what I could do with that take-home pay after that. So it was like saving first. So this pattern of behavior was already within me. It was as if it was born within my DNA. And then it occurred to me, this is what I can do. This is a natural for me. I can now share this type of wisdom with others, create a business, develop a clientele, and get paid for it. Because I'm sure a lot of people are struggling in this area, yet for me, it's a natural, it's been a natural, and I don't see this to brag, it's just, that's the way it's been. So because of that, here I am 30 years later, a very well-established business, and I am as happy as I could ever be, frankly, and looking to continue to grow too. Now, it's not very common that an eight-year-old would look at a savings account and, and see that increase of 15 cents and go, wow, this is amazing. This is something I really would like and I want to know more about it. So what was it at that time that really tweaked your interest? Was it because you had a, a good upbringing with uh, money literacy? I think that my with a lot with all of us, our parents have a strong influence us at that age, right? At such a young age. And my father was very savvy with investing. He was adept in it. He had a lot of accounts here and there. He he was the one who warmed me up to the idea of the stock market and a stock and what it does, et cetera. My mother also, very, very frugal. She was raised by parents of the Great Depression era, right? Where they would save everything. They would clip coupons. They would do all of those very money scarcity types of, of behaviors that I was also instilled with too. So money was not an unfamiliar zone to me as a very young boy. And because of that, that just became a very natural path for me to go on. And my parents, nor was my household, very artistic. So I still, to this day, I wish I could know how to paint. I don't know how to do that though. But I do know money and I feel very comfortable with money and it's, it's a very natural. And because of that upbringing, that's really helped support me for mm -hmm. sure. Big time. Uh, you kind of alluded to during that, uh, that answer there, but you work with a lot of different people from different backgrounds, different uh, education and whatnot. What would you say is the most common reason why people don't know enough about money or not know well enough to manage their own? I wonder if, pe I believe that people feel and believe that the key to financial success is investment selection or being a, a money expert or, or getting that you know, financial graduate degree in university or what have you. And it really isn't. That's really not the path. And I say this with a lot of confidence because 
I've seen people make mistakes, believing that the key was I've got to find the best investment under the sun or what's going to be the, the hottest thing for this year. And ironically, and this may sound odd, Fong, however, the key to financial success, to investment success, to building wealth is behavior. It is the actions that the person takes or does not take that will translate into a strong castle, a strong financial ship, a strong moat around one's house to, to protect it and so on. I found that it's behavior. Now, that's not to say you ignore the investment part. That part is very important. Yes. However, a vast, large portion of the success is found in the habits that we have, those actions that we take and shouldn't take. People, mm -hmm. some people take those actions, others don't, and the results are there to see. So I would encourage anyone, if you're looking for the one thing, what should I be spending more time on or invest more energy or perhaps money in? And that is identifying your own personal behaviors mm -hmm. when it comes to money. That's really under our nose too. It's right there. It's mm -hmm. however, it's, it can be so elusive yet. We all have that key inside us. And that's when a, an advisor can really help quite frankly. What, what would you say is some of the like very first, habits that somebody should have when it comes to money behavior? Uh, oh, uh, in my case, my first job, the first blank that I filled out, I believe in my first employment you know, application after I received the job offer letter was the amount that I was putting into my retirement plan right away, establishing those first habits while the, while the cement is still drying, Let's develop these habits right now that are going to make a very strong effect in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So that I would encourage anyone to identify and set aside regular savings patterns, regular savings habits for those still in the accumulation phase of their life. And you start some of the with the easiest places that you can. And for some people, that's the company retirement plan. For others who are self-employed, it's I can create my own retirement plan mm -hmm. and start something systematic there. It's feeding the, the bank account. It's feeding the emergency fund. It's, it's creating that buildup of emergency funds so that you don't need to worry about going into too much debt, or you don't need to worry about pulling money aside from another place that you really shouldn't because you've got a tremendous slush fund waiting for you for those unforeseen moments. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very easy, very simple, just very small habits right away to make a significant difference over a period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, another another habit I've heard you talk about before is paying yourself first. And, oh, yeah. and that is For something sure. that it's easier said than done because the concept sometimes is just very, very odd to people. So why would that concept of paying yourself first really help somebody really progress when it comes to their uh, money behavior? This is planting the seeds. This is planting the seeds. So I would, I would challenge anyone listening to this today to create a list. I want you to examine how much money are you spending or, or, or paying on a monthly basis? 
one through 10, who is it that you're doing this regularly to? And look at that top 10 list and see if you see your name on it. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have your name on there, then I would ask you to ask yourself the question, these other places are important. My housing, my rent, my insurance, my electric, et cetera. Yet, are they more important than yourself and your financial future? Now, they are very important, but isn't this also equally important? So for, for those who create, say, the top 10 list, let's stretch that and make that a top 11 list mm -hmm. and insert your name real close to the top, if not on, on the top. Mm -hmm. And let that happen and see what happens and see what that small 1% change can make in a difference between now and the end of this year, now and the end of next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those, those habits are very, very important. And of course, once you start doing it, eventually something grows and you're like, oh, look, look at all this stuff that I have or look at the savings account that I've been able to accumulate. And you just never know. You just have to start. The key is to plant the seeds. Mm -hmm. Plant, don't chant. <laughs> don't talk about it, do it. When we take action, then our future is created. Mm -hmm. um, I, I grew up in a, a culture where there's been people who say, nobody's going to care more about your money except for you. And therefore, if you want to make your money grow, you better figure it out your own. So for those that type of mentality, what do you what do you tell them so that you go, you know what? There's a better option out there. You can't do it all yourself. Doing it your doing it on your own is one way to do it. And however, if you're interested in making progress over several decades, then <laughs> I would encourage you to do it all on your own. Okay. Or the alternative is to find someone to work with or develop a team, develop a dream team. Imagine if you are the captain of your financial ship, and we all are, okay, in, in one way or another, if you are the captain of your financial ship and your staff is full of experienced, seasoned, high quality, high integrity experts at their various stations, what kind of strong, incredible, machine you will have in place with you at the wheel mm -hmm. and it's not easy to develop that that crew okay it does take some time to find the right people that are that will fit the stations inside inside the ship okay however running and manning the ship on your own is uh, very 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 difficult and I'm a person who likes to have my life easier and not more complicated. And that does mean bringing in perhaps other people that you've never met before, or perhaps you do know some, it, it does take some time to find who those right people are. But for those who, who feel, gosh, I can do this all, all on my own, that's true. However, there's only 24 hours in the day. And what's the best use of your time? Right. Right. How would you advise people to go about finding that team? Uh, is it beneficial for them to, let's say if they got this one person in place, should they ask them, hey, who do you recommend or who do you already work with? Or do you want this person to work with people that they haven't worked with 
but a different person so that uh, you can really build that team on your own. Yeah, I think asking your colleagues, asking your other friends, asking your other business colleagues uh, who are in your circle, those are good places to ask for names, for referrals. You're, you're perhaps interviewing for a position, right? So it's important to find someone that chemistry-wise you click with and also someone that you really feel confident that they are a person of, of good caliber, mm. who have got experience, who've been around the block some, who speak in a language that you can understand too. That's, that's very critical also. So it's really the relationship. It's no different than dating. You're not going to find your forever significant other after a week time it may take a while, okay, mm -hmm. but it does require many interactions, whatever those interactions are, uh, a, a meeting, a phone call, a lunch, but asking around and getting introductions from other people that you trust is a good way to start if you have no idea where to go in, in the first place. Mm -hmm. Join yeah. other networking groups. Uh, get, be, be a part of, I know you and I are part of, of many networking groups of of wonderful people, wonderful entrepreneurs, and everyone knows 200 other people. And if you're in a network of people that are, you know, a couple of hundred anyway, you've got a more than enough vast resource of finding the kind of people that are going to be right for you. Mm -hmm. The very, very true networking and being in part of those groups uh, change, changes lives. I mean, like, we're also going to find a good group of people to really know each other and build those relationships and build that team. Um, yeah. so, something that's also very common that I hear when you ask them, so um, what are you doing with your finances? And um, why don't you talk to my financial advisor or something like that? And you go, oh, I already got one. I got one at the bank. How different is that having a certified financial advisor like yourself versus one that works works with a uh, top five bank? Well, if someone's working with, say, a top five bank advisor and they're very happy, they're happy with the results that they're working with, that's a wonderful relationship. Is that something that I would want to you know, press pass on or infiltrate on? No, not at all. At the same time, some people might wonder and consider, hmm, I wonder what another opinion might share on what I'm currently doing. What I found with many people who I would consider to be wealthy, and that would be seven, eight, nine figures, they have multiple advisors. Look at, look at the sports analogy. Look at how many coaches does Tiger Woods have? Mm -hmm. How many coaches does uh, you know, Tom Brady have? They've got several coaches looking at all different angles and that way, they have all of the options that are available to them. They can weigh the pros and the cons. They've got really a, a, an amazing situation with that type of setup. They've created a dream team for themselves. As they say, people who already have an advisor with a great relationship, that's wonderful. I would say you're, you're somewhat ahead of many other people. Mm -hmm. Now, would it be would it be a benefit to you to have a, a second opinion, get a good idea from another angle? Because the truth is no one has all of the answers. And I think that's something that you said right there was very, very important. It was because lots of people believe that if I already have one, 
it feels as if I'm overstepping them or it shows that I don't trust or respect them if I bring in the second person or a third person or fourth person. But from what you're saying, it's very common for people to have two, three, four different advisors so that they can actually maximize their efforts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And in the, at the end of the day, it's what's in the client's best interest. Mm -hmm. all, of, all of the certified financial planners, we, we abide by that rule. The, this, it's our fiduciary responsibility to uphold our client's best interest. And if that means getting more than one opinion, then that's, what's, that's what I will do mm -hmm. for sure. Now, something I've noticed in, in your uh, bio and in your website is that you really say you're a, a certified financial advisor. And I see other financial advisors that don't claim that they're certified. So what's the biggest difference between certified and not certified? And if they're not certified, why are they doing this? If they're not certified, does that make them a bad advisor? No, not necessarily. It just means that they have not gone through the requirements that are the gold standard in the industry. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I, have to, I have to go through a lot of hoops to first obtain the certification and then keep it going year after year. And it is a very high, again, fiduciary standard that we uphold, that everything that we do is in the client's best. I'm, I'm thinking about, and I'm planning for my client's best interest first, me come second. That's a that's what all advisors should do anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, that the CFP designation is a good way to showcase publicly. I really mean this. Otherwise, I wouldn't go through the hassle. I wouldn't go through the exercise and the requirements to uphold, and I uphold it proudly. That CFP designation. Mm -hmm. So if if I, if I was if someone is not has no advisor at all. And gosh, this is resonating with me. Let me uh, search around and see if I can begin working with an advisor somewhere. I would encourage them to look at someone who's got the CFP designation first. Mm -hmm. Now, are there are there bad CFPs out there? Yeah, I'm sure there are. However, you at least know that you're entering in a higher quality threshold right away. Mm -hmm. Are there certain questions or certain uh, indications that somebody may or may not be as good as they claim they are? Good or, good or not, as they claim they are, I, I would be asking questions like, how long have you been in the business? Are you independent or not? Uh, is, is there, would there be any, how are you compensated? Okay, there, there are some advisors who are out there that frankly get compensated stronger in other areas than not. That's a, that's a big red flag for me right away. They need to know right up front, how are you getting paid? How long have you been doing this? The important questions to, to ask. Tell mm -hmm. me more about your history. Uh, you might be inclined to ask about specific results of clients, and that may be a hard question to ask just for privacy purposes. I would not reveal specifics, for example, of any of my clients to someone else just asking, and I understand where they're coming from. However, if the advisor can share some, share some, some, some case studies, mm -hmm. that way, here, let me walk you through the scenario of what I did for this client last month or last year, give them kind of a taste of not only the depth 
of the situation, but also the expertise and how the advisor handled that situation. Mm-hmm. And see if that feels good and if that rings true with you. Cool. No, there's there's a lot of people who is also thinking, you know what, numbers is not my thing. Every time I hear about numbers, I go completely blank. I'm bored out of my mind. And now I have to go and talk to this financial advisor. But you're able to make it fun. Now, I've met I've met a lot of different financial advisors and also uh, real estate and um, what was it? Uh, life insurance uh, advisors. And yes. all of them are just so dry. So how do you make numbers? financial stuff fun for somebody to graft and go you know what i want to work with you i really want to see this grow i hang out with creative people (laughs) that's how i was born left brain i'm still strong left brain big time and i use that to my advantage Mm -hmm. because a lot of uh, a lot of my clients are right brainers not all of them but a significant amount are i handle the left brain part of their life all right but how do I make it creative? I just look at my own personal experience. Where do I, I, I am attracted personally. I don't know about you following or anyone else listening, but I personally am attracted to companies that are part of what I call the experience economy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what, what are some examples of that? Well, like Starbucks is one right away. Before Starbucks, coffee was coffee they came in and now they've elevated it into an experience that we we never saw before. It's those, and I find myself spending my money in areas that are, that I are, I'm attracted to. When I walk in an airport, I'm going from one gate to the next, you know, where my, my nose seems to go is the aroma of Mrs. Fields cookies. <laughs> there it is, right next to gate 17. There's the play. And I'm just so attracted by that aroma. And I, if, if a financial services company can offer up an experience, wouldn't that be something? Mm-hmm. Is, there be a, is there an experience or an example that you could give that's something that you provide your clients that makes it Absolutely. Well, we're we're going to be. I'm I'm partnering with someone that we're going to be planning a wellness retreat. Oh wow! In Florida, in a couple of months. All right. So I, I guess I'll insert the plug there. If anyone wants to know more information on that, just feel free to email me. However, it's going to be two days. It's going to be at a beach house, and it's going to be at a very very nice location. And we are going to talk about yeah, some money, but a lot of other personal and health wellness to provide just an overall life experience to anyone who attends and it's limited to only a select few people but that's that's an example i don't do this every single month uh however this is something that i like to offer up that i would argue that that bank financial advisor probably is not doing (laughs) are there going to be like charts and numbers and pie charts at your hope i hope not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, you also mentioned wellness in, during that retreat. And so how how is work-life balance to you? Because it's uh, not just about financials, right? No, uh, you mentioned no. wellness, uh, which then goes no. into spiritual and also um, health and what you eat and exercise and all Absolutely. that stuff. So how do you balance everything? Absolutely. I pay attention to what I call is the peace of mind square. Fong, everyone has one of these. There's four sides to a square, right? Mm -hmm. One of the sides 
is the money side, the financial side of our life. A uh, second side is the health, our physical health, our mental health side of life. The third side of the square is our relationships, the relationship side of our life. That would be our business relationships, that would be our personal relationships with our family, with our friends, with our professional colleagues. The fourth is our spiritual or con contributory, how we contribute, how we give back to the world. Though, If you can imagine a square and each side is labeled, those four labels. And if one can score, if you can honestly sit down and assess in yourself, score on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing on these four sides of the square? Am I a 10 out of a 10? Everywhere, if I am, I have what is called peace of mind. Life doesn't get any better than that if you're scoring a 10 out of 10 on those four sides. Mm -hmm. That's how I see living a balanced life. And this is something that I constantly pursue personally is what can I do to get as near as a 10 out of 10 on all sides of, of those of that peace of mind square. That's a focus that I've lived with now ever since really discovering personal development five years ago. Mm -hmm. It's been very impactful on my life. Well, so if somebody is scoring themselves 10 out of 10 on all four of them, but they don't have peace of mind, they're lying to themselves. That's right. <laughs> There's something missing. There's something missing. Mm -hmm. And if someone does have a 10 out of 10 on all four sides, then my next question to them is, okay, here's your square. What's your next 10 now? Oh, everyone's got a next 10. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. And, and we, we are either, if you're not pursuing that, we are either growing or we are decaying in life. There's no stagnation. It's one or the other. It's either growth or decay. And I prefer to be a, a man of growth. Now, what if um, one of those sides uh, faces a challenge? How do you overcome your challenges? I, I do some in, introverted meditation. I ask for support for my support system. And my support system comprises of my immediate family, my business colleagues that I have very strong relationships with. I ask for their spiritual and uh, emotional support because it's really for me it's an emotional thing when I'm when I'm I'm not hitting hitting that ten I'm now a six out of ten because of my health or relationship here or there then I'm missing something there's I I only know the the solution to get me to improve is outside of my current frame I'm doing something wrong. I, I don't know what I don't know. Can someone else help me? And that's when calling on the support system that I have, which a lot of it is also coaching when mm -hmm. it comes to business too. I'm, I, I know that I believe you're a coach and this is why that is so valuable. People need to be coaching with you so that they can also identify what they don't know because we can only see so much, right? right? And having an extra set of eyes is so valuable. Mm -hmm. Now, for yourself, it's obvious that you're very passionate about this subject when it comes to wellness and that balance. How do you keep yourself energized? 
like when you wake up in the morning, are you go, go, go and ready to really hit the <laughs> pavement or like, what's your, what's your routine that really gets you going? I, I pay a lot. I pay a lot to, to what I eat. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm not, I still commit many sins as far as my food is concerned. Okay? <laughs> Perfect in any area whatsoever. However, I discovered juicing many years ago. That's been a huge difference in my life. I take a variety of supplements. I regularly exercise. I'm an avid Bikram yoga student. I go to that class five to four to five times a week. So my health, when I work on my health, that in turn works on my mental health. That in turn works on that creates ripple effects with the relationships that I have with my life, with my ability to run my business at a higher level. Okay. So when, when I focus on myself, well, when I focus on myself, then everything else in my life benefits. Mm -hmm. So if I had, in, if I had only one hour a day to spend on anything, it would be, how can I better myself? Because when I better myself, then everything else begins to fall in place and reach that next level that I'm that I'm always shooting for. Mm -hmm. Well, as you alluded to before, another way of bettering yourself is you're, you're surrounding yourself with very very strong networks uh, in in coaching, group coaching, in in education, and putting yourself into an environment where there's so many different types of people in different industries. You're not just surrounding yourself in just financial planning people. Yes, right? so when you're putting yourself mm -hmm. in a group of such diversity, what have you found is the biggest impact of that in your field? Oh gosh, being, being able to be creative in my own field, because my, let's, let's be frank here. The financial services industry is dull. <laughs> it's generally dull. It's a desert of dullness. It is a sea of sameness. Okay. And if I am hanging around, nothing but, God bless all of us, left brain, accountants, CPAs, and financial advisors, I'm missing out on so many other areas of industry, of, of imagination, of ideas, of creativity. So that's a very good point that you bring, is that the network is diverse also. So it allows me to find ways to stand out from the crowd because there's plenty of CFPs out there. There's plenty of financial advisors out there. There's plenty of business coaches out there, et cetera. What can we do to infuse an experience for our clients and perhaps potential clients too, that will make them think and say, wow, Rick is really some, I've never seen something like this before, or gosh, Fong is real. He is striking a chord that I've never heard a business coach ever say before. And I'm not able to deliver that unless I'm exposed to other people's expertise, other people's experience, their trade, their field. I soak in what I see they're doing and how can I apply this to my business to make this uh, and an aha moment for, for my clients. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if if there's somebody out there who goes, you know what, I really need to connect with Rick. I need to know more about what he does, see how he can help me. What's the best way to reach out to you? And then also, what are the first few steps that a person has to go through? They can certainly visit my website, which is salmeronfinancial.com. I'm on social media. Instagram is Rick Salmeron. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look me up there as well as Facebook for sure. For people looking for an advisor, going back to previous areas of our discussion, find someone that, that again, resonates with you, that speaks your language. How do you find that? Well, you, you take a look and see how they are showcasing themselves in the public marketplace. Go to their website. Google them. See what you find. Do you see goodness or do you see not so goodness? There's there's plenty of there's plenty of evidence, both good and not so good, to immediately identify your shortlist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the 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 maybe create your shortlist of say, I don't know, three people or so and set up a set up a quick one-on-one interview. Here's some questions that I have that I, that are important to me. How would you address these questions and see how they respond? Mm. And then after all that, they have to do that last question to themselves. Was that a fun experience? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. How did that feel at the end? How did that feel? Because when, in my view, when you're wanting to work with, if it's a business coach, if it's a financial advisor, we're not talking about just going to the grocery store and getting some stuff and then leaving. This is not a transactional relationship. This is this is a service relationship. This is, in my view, a long-term relationship. That's what you want as the client looking for a financial advisor. Who can I find that I will enjoy mm-hmm. spending time with, that I will look forward to his or her phone call, that I know that I can feel that the experience that's coming up or whenever there is going to be an experience with that advisor is it going to feel like a pleasant experience and not a high school algebra class? <laughs> that, that's very, very true and very, very important. So uh, thank you very much for that. Um, let's say if I was to put you on the world stage and the entire world gets to hear one main message from Rick that they will all remember Rick for, what's that one main message? Habits. Identify the the good habits in your life that you do day in and day out. When I take a look, I used to think, do people, I'm just going to speak from an overall life perspective, okay? Although this can apply to your balance sheet. This can apply to your money also for sure. However, if I used to believe, I wonder if can people really change? Can their life really change? And I'm not sure if they can change as people. However, their life can change if they focus and pay attention to their daily in and out habits, the actions that they take. It's easy to believe, well, my life is only gonna change when big moments occur, when a, an amazing event happens or a, or a terrible event happens, whether it's winning the lottery or a, a family change or something. And when you, when you consider that, how often does that happen? If ever at all, mm-hmm. maybe 5% of your life. And if and if you agree with that, then that leaves the other 95% of your life. That's the daily stuff. 
That's the boring stuff. So the gold is found in the boring stuff. And the more that we can pay attention to, what am I doing every day? What are the good habits that I'm doing? What are the bad habits that am I doing? At the end of the day, hopefully I've got a, a positive number. I'm adding up my good habits. I'm subtracting my bad habits. Do I have a net effect of a positive? Do it the next day. And, do, and then the end of the week, do I have a positive score? And at the end of the month, do I have a positive score? So that's very, very subtle. It's easy to discount the small habits, the tiny stuff, yet it's the it add up the accumulative effect of the tiny stuff that makes a difference 10 years from now. I can, I can, I can, I can predict what my next 10 year mark is going to look like. How do I know that? Because I know where I'm at today and that's because of my past 10 years. Mm -hmm. And if I want my 10 years from now to look different, then I need to change my habits today to make that 10 years look better than what I want it to be. Mm. Hope that that makes sense. That was kind of a long-winded answer to your quick question. No, it's all. It was very, very good. The importance of habits, and I like how it kind of uh, goes all the way back to what we started talking about at the very beginning about money habits. So it's very, very fitting. Thank you very much for that. Uh, before I let you go, I got five quick questions just for fun. Give me the first thing that comes to mind. Go for it. I, I'm very excited about this next one because you mentioned about food. So if you were uh, stranded on a desert island and you only had one food to eat for the rest of your life, no consequence, what would that be? Chips and queso. <laughs> Do you have a hidden talent that not many people know about? I am a pretty good piano player. Hollywood calls and said, hey, we want to cast you in the, in the next movie that's going to be about your story, about your life. But you get to pick who is your co-star to play your best friend. Who would that co-star be? My best friend? Yeah. Uh, gosh, let's see. My best friend would be uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis shows up at your door and says, hey, I got casted to play your best friend. Let's get to know each other. Boy, I'm hungry. And you go, you know what? No problem. Come right in. I'm going to serve you blank. I'm going to serve you... Uh, pepperoni and sausage and red bell pepper pizza oh wow sounds like you've done that before <laughs> <laughs> and uh last question give me a number give me a number from one to four three one two three so how is success similar to a gift bag a success is similar to a gift bag because a gift bag can look very dull and boring and plain, or a gift bag can look amazing. Wow, I have never seen a gift bag like that before. And success can, or lack of success can be that way because going back to the daily habits, daily habits are like grains of sand that we all have and we can either build with those grains of sand, a very beautiful, amazing sandcastle with those daily habits, like the incredibly looking gift bag that we've never seen before, or we can create a very dull, boring, mediocre mount mm -hmm. with the same habits. 
like or a, a dull, boring gift bag. That's how a gift bag can be like success. Awesome. Well done. Well, thank you very much for that. That was a lot of fun. And that is how success is like a gift bag. Um, any last words from you? It's a rough sea. It's a rough sea manning your money ship alone. And if you're doing it that way, more power to you. However, I would encourage you to consider having a solid team that's helping guide and navigate. Awesome. Well done. So everybody else, make sure you connect with Rick. Find him on social media. Check out his website. He has a lot of great content. Again, you're not going to meet somebody else who's going to be talking about financial uh, planning as passionate and as energetic and as fun as this guy right here. So once again, thank you very much for being here. He is Rick. My name is Fong Tuan. Until next time, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later.